Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A campaign to increase the number of people saved by organ donation has received something of a boost. And let me speak to Lisa Smith, who's been writing about this in the Belfast Telegraph. Uh, good morning, Lisa. Good morning, how are you? I am very well, Lisa. Just put us in the picture about organ donation at present and what these changes may be in the near future, courtesy of everyone pulling in the same direction. Well, essentially, at the moment, um, we have a system where... Um, you have to opt in if you want to donate your organs. So as you or I, when, for example, when we're applying for a driving licence, there's a box that you can tick to say that, the you know, I, I wish to donate my organs. And you can even say, I think, which organs you would like to donate. Um, under this new system or this proposed system, it would be presumed consent. So you would have to actually actively say, I don't want to donate my organs. So in the event of your death, it would be presumed that consent had been given unless you had actually gone and gone to the effort to say, I don't want to be an organ donor. The important thing, though, to remember that even under presumed consent, the next of kin would still have to give permission for your organs to be used. So even if... Um, you don't go to the, the effort of saying, I don't want my organs to be used, and therefore it's presumed that your consent is given. Your organs will not be used unless your next of kin gives specific consent for that to happen. And so it's so, so important for everybody to discuss their wishes with their loved ones so that if that time ever came around, your next of kin would know that your wishes were for your organs to be used. But there is an option there for the next of kin to overrule you. If I say very clearly, I want my organs to go to a person who could benefit from them, and then something tragic befalls me, and my family intervene and say, no, but no, even though he said it, even though he's written it down, even though he's expressed it on the radio, we're not prepared to go through with it. They, they, could, they could block my wishes. Yes, and they they can they can do that now though under the current system. Even if you have said, you know, tick that box on your driving license, if the the next of kin will always be asked for approval. I think the. But would it not be better if they're making changes that they don't give the next of kin the option of spoiling it for the living person? Well, I think that the thing is that. you know, we've, we've seen in Wales, Wales have already brought in this presumed consent. It's called a soft opt-in, um, a soft opt-out. And basically, um, the consent rates have risen already in Wales. It was brought in in 2015, I think. And consent rates have gone up. So we know that, that this new system does work. It's so, so important. I think in any situation, of course, the family are going to be given the final say. But if you know that your loved one's wishes were that they wanted their organs to be used, I think the chances are 
that in most situations, families will by, abide by those wishes. And that, that's why the, the discussion is so important. Yes, this legislation will, you know, it will help. But without that discussion, it, it, that is the crux. The point is that no, uh, they, they will never take organs from someone who, if their loved ones say they don't want them to be used. I mean, you could imagine that would be a PR disaster, wouldn't it? Uh, uh, Totally, totally. Yeah, like I I, I fully understand where where they're coming from and what we have to keep in mind is that family is going to be in deep grief because it's very possible that the person who has died has died in tragic and sudden circumstances. It really is uh, such a difficult time for a family and this emphasises why it's so important to to have the discussion. Yes, it does. But I also think as well that for many families who do give permission for their loved ones' organs to be used, it's a, it's a very, very helpful process for them. They know that, yes, they've lost their loved one in tragic circumstances and, they, and they're going through an awful, awful experience, but they know that their loved one has maybe saved five or six lives in the process. And, and, and I've spoken to many, many donor families and every single one of them have got so much comfort over the years knowing that there are other people alive who would have, who would have died you know, maybe children or fathers or mothers or, you know, they've been given that second chance at life because they made that decision to donate their loved one's organs. You know, it's a wonderful gift to give. There is no doubt about that. It is a wonderful gift and it is a gift that is given in the most difficult of circumstances. It's going... If we ha- if we had an executive, this would be signed off more or less straight away because th- there's no political pressure. Everyone's rowing in the same direction on it. But w- will it happen without an executive? It can't happen without an executive because it requires a change in law. So it, this is, I mean, it's by no means a done deal because... The, um, you know, that they've got to come up with the legislation and it's going to require every single, the executive or the, the assembly to agree on all the details in that law. Um, and that, that in itself may take some time. But the fact that all of the parties have signalled that they are in favour of looking at this issue, um, it, it's, it's a good, it's obviously a positive thing. Um, and so hopefully we can get an assembly back sooner rather than later and they can start looking at important issues like this um, and, and hopefully get, get a change in the law. Well, it's just a reminder of the stagnation. It really is because there are people at this moment in time just waiting and waiting and waiting. And sadly, we never know who the next donor is going to be. Uh, Lisa, thank you very much indeed. Lisa Smith is with the Belfast Telegraph. It's uh, 14 minutes past nine on a grey old Friday morning. If you're just joining us, you're very welcome. Desi's online too. Good morning, Desi. Hi, Frank. How are you? I'm very well, Desi. Desi, you know what it is like for a family to have benefited from the generosity of other people. But the indeed, my father was 55 and was requiring a double lung transplant. He was on the transplant list for a year, two, three years, and he was fortunate enough to get um, a lady's lungs. Um, my father required them because he kept birds and he ended up with a thing called pigeon lung, but he actually got an ex-smoker's a lady's lungs and, I mean, they can do wonders with 
the organs, you know, um, he got eight years out of his lungs and sadly passed away, but it was nothing that they were the lungs in the end. His lungs were healthy and fine right up until the end. But I think it was more so um, a story when I was over in Newcastle Hospital with my father after he had the transplant. We noticed a taxi man and a nurse run crazy down past us in the, in the corridor and with a box. And we sort of thought what was going on there. And then the next day we spoke to the nurse and she explained that there was a three-year-old girl um, going to be able to get an operation with the cornea of a 90-year-old woman's eyes, and she was going to see her parents for the first time in her life with a 90-year-old's cornea. So I just think there's wonders going to be done with transplants in general, with organs, and I think there should be a constant opt-in. Everyone should opt-in. You know, we should choose to update yourself if you feel strong enough. It's amazing when you describe that picture there of the yeah, car arriving. Yeah, going to see its parents. Yeah, and the emergency element of it and the, the, the buzz that there must be around a theatre when they, when they can deliver something in a short space of time, something that has and been so Frank, generously donated by another family, uh, by another family. And you might have someone elderly thinking, well, I can't really help anyone, you know, what, what organs, you know, are going to work. But to, to have an eight-year-old woman's cornea skin into a baby and to, to be able to see, you know. I also met a girl over there who was 28 years of age who was in chatting to her, I asked, you know, a do an organ. She was on her uh, second heart and third liver. You know, um, it's not just the one organ helps people. People require, you know, after a while, other organs as well. And a lot of people need you know, help in that sense. It is. It's a reminder, a stark reminder, Desi, of how many people are in hospitals or at home at this moment in time where their lives could be changed dramatically and positively by the donating of an organ. And there Mm -hmm. are many, many organs that are not donated. It just the, the circumstances aren't right. The system isn't in place. People haven't thought about it. People are steeped in grief. It's the last thing they're giving any consideration to. And unfortunately, those people continue to wait and wait in hospitals and, and yes. at home. And our, our thoughts are with them. And, you know, your dad did get an extra eight years, as, as you say. That, that little baby's probably growing now to be a happy child, <laughs> seeing its parents yeah, every that day. baby probably now 11 years of age, Frank. So, I mean, she's probably had loads of, view, loads of vision and loads of everything with her parents now because... You know, an older person's eyes, which, as I say, someone relatively old and OAP or whatever would think maybe they couldn't use anything from them. Or an ex-smoker would think, you know, they couldn't use my lungs, but they can do wonders with, you know, they can clean organs out, they can use organs, you know, that you maybe think, you know, couldn't be. (laughs) That's incredible. And you've, you've seen it, Desi, because your family's availed of it. Thank you very much for the call. Uh, 02890 Talking about organ donation uh, this morning on the programme. These uh, latest developments where everyone's rowing in the same direction, but unfortunately the legislation won't change while we don't have an executive. Therese is on the radio as well. Good morning, Therese. Good morning, Frank. How are you? I'm, I'm very well, Therese. Uh, you have a story to tell us in relation to organ donation. Yeah, uh, Frank, I donated my kidney about six, seven years ago, uh, altruistically, and it went to a 40-year-old man in London. And just wanted to let your listeners know that that's another option you can do. Um, it's only been legal for 10 years or so uh, in Northern Ireland. And uh, it, I read an article and I thought oh, that would be a good thing to do and just did it. 
That's um, Hold on, let me, sto- let, let, me, let, let me stop you there because, you know, I read an article and I thought it'd be a good thing to do and I just did it. How on earth did you take that step, Therese? You know, to be so generous as to consider your own body and realise you don't need both kidneys and to say, right, I'm going to put myself forward and give my kidney to a person who will need it, obviously, but who I don't even know. What's the thought process you go through at at that point, Therese? Well, initially, I I didn't realise you could do such a thing. And then when I, you know, people give blood all the time. Um, So I read the article and I thought, I'll inquire about this. And uh, it took a full year of tests. You know, you have to have a complete body checkout, a complete MOT, and also a, a psychological, psychiatric test to check that you're doing it for the right reasons. And the reason you give it altruistically is that it goes to 100% match as opposed to somebody you know that you might only be a 60% match. So it has a better chance of, of it being successful. Um, so you, you can back out at any time. And I didn't ever falter. I must say the night before I was very, very scared, but I, I didn't falter and went through it. And six years on, it's uh, everyone's tickety-bee. It's grand. You can hear in your voice, you know, you're just so cool. You, 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 you have a personality that matches what you're saying coming through in your conversation. Whereas, mm. you know, I know I'm not that sort of person. I know that I would be up the walls with worry. I would be hesitating. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't even be considering it to hesitate from doing it. Whereas you seem to have a beautifully casual approach to life just by the way you're talking and by making reference to that dramatic step that you that you took. Now, do you, do you have any knowledge of who received it? Do you get any feedback on how successful it was? Uh, just that it was successful and it would have improved that man's life uh, greatly. Um, would have got him off dialysis. Um, he was a 40-year-old from London but he was the uh, 100% match to my kidney. So he was top of the list. And um, that's all I know about him. No, I didn't get any information. That would be entirely up to him. Um, I, But I just, I am an ordinary person. I'm a mother of five. I was 50 or so when I did it. Um, there's nothing special about me. You know, it can be done. It, it did take a chunk out of my life. You know, I was off my feet for, I'd say, three weeks. And I wasn't totally up to par for maybe three months, but I'm 100% recovered now. You know, because you are losing a major organ out of your body. Um, but the person who got it would have improved immediately. You know, they would have been back on their feet within days. Would Would you like to hear from the person? Would you Would you like a, a letter or a card or some recognition for what you did? Would yes. I would have liked, no, I don't want to be his pen pal or anything, but I would, I would have loved a, a, a letter, yeah. Just a, a thank you, you've changed my life sort of letter. Um, I would have liked that, yeah. I'm not surprised. I mean, that's, that's a very personal thing. Of course. You know, to that person, maybe, it, uh, I don't know, it, maybe it was too overwhelming. Or maybe he didn't know anything. No, he, no, he would have known that I was an altruistic donor and yeah. probably just a, a woman in her 50s from... Northern Ireland. That's, that's about as much information as he would have, have got. But it, no, I didn't want 
to be its pen pal or to invite him over for Christmas. I know, I know, but I can understand he wouldn't mind a thank you. <laughs> you know. Yes, that would have been nice. <laughs> but it, it, it's a reflection, I think, on humanity and society. You have someone who is an individual who is in dire straits, who's now no longer in dire straits, whose, whose life has been turned around. And you know that you've managed to give someone a brand new lease of life whereby they are happy and vibrant and healthy. The, the fact that their personality doesn't include saying thank you just makes them like loads of other people who never say thank you for anything. So it, it doesn't dilute what you did. What you did no. was incredible. Uh, and I also am a great believer in the NHS and that got somebody off dialysis for the rest of their life. So that's, you know, save the NHS money. I hope, uh, down the long run. Yeah, um, so when the, and I do, I'm a great supporter of our National Health Service, so I wanted to give a wee bit back to them. You know, Tres, uh, seriously, there are people who receive awards and people who get a pat on the back and uh, get their photograph in the paper <laughs> they do nothing compared to what you did. I, I, I just think that is amazingly generous. Uh, there are other people who've done it as well, of course, but it's incredibly generous. And there are high-profile stories of people who've done it for friends, which is to be applauded as well. Uh, obviously, people do it for family and, and you know, the, with a heart and a half. But to do it for a stranger who you've never met or will never meet. That is generosity with a capital G. It's, it's, you're, you're amazing, Tres, and I'm sure there are people listening to this programme who feel like I feel. I think you are amazing. Well, I, to be honest, Frank, I would really have liked to tummy tuck while they were in there doing it. I think the NHS could do a wee package going there. <laughs> Give me a free tummy tuck for a kidney. <laughs> while they were there, I thought they could have fixed that up a bit better. <laughs> You're a dream. You really are. Are, are you're, you're a dream. And um, fair play to you, Tres. That's all I can say. Well, yeah. well, well. But just done. to let your, your listeners know, it is legal. It's been on the go for about ten years. Uh, it can be done. Um, I think you can also donate bits of your liver, but you have to go to Edinburgh for that because your liver regrows a lot. But um, it, it is a possibility, and um, it can be done. And you can also go into like a pool where you know there's a I could donate to somebody, and, and that chain would go to somebody else. That they can all be, you know, matched and help a lot of people. But uh, that that wasn't an option for me. But it, it it is it's a doable, feasible thing, and I'm living proof of it. Well, Therese, you've done your bit. Don't be doing any more. You've done your <laughs> bit. You've done your bit for humanity and society. And thank, thank you very, very much for speaking to us. Do you get any sort of inconvenience allowance? Is there anything to help you through? You, you must get something in relation to being off work. Is there something you get for doing it? Oh, yes, it? yes. You, you can do if you want. You can, uh, you can be compensated. Um, oh, well, we'll see. Yeah, you could do, but again, I... I Love the NHS so much, I wasn't going to, you know, go claiming for them. I, I arranged, I'm a teacher, so I got it done over the summer holidays. So I wasn't, I didn't lose any pay or anything. But if you do lose pay, you can be compensated. We're talking to a saint here. We're talking to a saint. Yeah. Therese, listen, thank you for the... You st- tell my husband and children that <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your story. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, all the best. Bye. Thank you very much tell you what, you know, we've had many as a person on this radio programme who maybe have made you feel good, we've many as a person on this programme who've made you <laughs> kneel in the depths of despair, and then along comes Tres, 
Like, that's incredible, isn't it? That's just, that is generosity. Oh, dear, oh, dear. My faith in humanity is at an all-time high. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, Danny's on the line. Good morning, Danny. Hello, Frank. Yes, Danny. What's on your oh. mind? Um, I'll try and hold this together. <laughs> um, I was listening to the young fellow there and he was saying about the cornea transplants um, when he was over in Newcastle. Uh, 2017, April, I lost my... Uh, hold on. Maybe lost 20... East. Sorry. You're okay, okay, Danny. You're okay. T- take take your time. If you if you don't feel up to it, you don't have to. You don't have to tell us your story no. at, at at all. What what what, yeah. a, what, a, what age was the young fella? Uh, Twenty six, and he was severely autistic, but he would have took seizures. Uh, <clears throat> it's hard. We lost him after a thirty second seizure, but by the time we got to the hospital, um, he was gone. We almost uh, won't stop him, and. The doctor brought us in to explain everything right away. I said here to take his organs because Owen, Owen never abused drink, drugs or anything like that. And it was actually like an hour second, second kick because they were not able to take his organs because of the particular kind of seizure and that it shut everything down so fast. But she asked me about the eye donation, which I didn't want to do. And the next day, we got a phone call, asked them if we re- reconsider it. And I don't know from to this day where the answer came from, and I said yes. 
and donated the two eyes. And I did question that now. I had to go to counselling and different things to deal with everything. And I think it was about eight months later, nine months later, I got the first of two letters that one of Owen's cornea was using a 10-month-old child to give him his eyesight back. And then about a month later, I uh, got a second letter that his other cornea had been used to restore the eyesight on a 66-year-old man. But the point I'm trying to make is that even though I'd lost for so much, the idea that these two people in that we lot reinforced it earlier on, I never thought about a donation, you know, and to give the sight to a young person that they can see their parents and hopefully see the world in a nice way. That gave me such a lift out of the gloom and doom. You know, it was like a, a million pounds wouldn't have meant what them two donations meant to me. It must have been some letter to open. It really must. Uh, it, 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 must mu- it must have made you feel so good about Owen and Owen's memory. Yeah. Uh, I actually had promised my counsellor, I was finishing the counselling on the following Friday, and I had promised the Friday before, unbeknown to me, I had actually raised this issue, and she had you know, built me up to phone the transplant people to see and what their result was. And I promised over the phone I had Monday and I put my, my swimming gear and I can always remember I put my swimming gear in my bag and on the Monday morning I was going for a swim and I went and I phoned them and the ladder was there through the, the ladder box. <laughs> and I got a night drive. I, was, I couldn't believe the Frank. See, the lift that that gave me was unbelievable. You know, and not only the the thought maybe, and I don't want it's coming out the wrong way, like a wee small party on still on this earth, but the importance of eyesight, I would never have thought of that. You know, but it was a pity we didn't get using his heart, his liver, and his kidneys, but for anybody that's even thinking of donation or being asked about it, it to me it does help. It does help, you know, through them circumstances. It's a beautiful story, Danny. It really, really is. And uh, it's, a, it's a lovely memorial to Owen that yeah. his memory lives on with those thoughts that you have. And that little child growing is looking and seeing the world thanks to Owen. It's, it's amazing, Danny. It really is amazing. Yeah. Well, it's helped me too, you know. And as you said, it's brilliant memories. But... If, uh, if there's anybody out there, and I know the circumstances are going to be very hard, you know, when you, you're in the hospital up to make decisions, I would just think of that, you know, and, and hopefully we can help people on down the road a wee bit. But uh, before I go, I thought your, your woman actually gave me a wee bit of confidence, sir, to, to phone you about the tummy tuck, you know, she had me laughing. <laughs> She's an amazing woman, <laughs> isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here in virtual bit hear me, I'm just laughing about that last phone call. But uh, Frank, I hope that helps in some way anyway. Danny, thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Danny. I'm sure you're not the only person sitting at the moment with a tear in your eye. Thank you. Thank you indeed. I want to speak to Deirdre, who's on line three here on the U105 phone-in. Good morning, Deirdre. 
Morning, Frank. How are you? I'm very, very well, Dario. Very moved by some of the stories I'm hearing this morning, and so too uh, the people who are listening. Loads of beautiful texts and emails coming in about both Danny oh, and okay. Therese, who we were speaking to. Um, but yeah. Dario, you've a you've a story you've a story in relation to this. I was in tears listening to Danny's story. It was so sad. It was uh, bittersweet. Bittersweet. Anyhow, yes, um, my sister Mags had a liver transplant last year. And only for that, she wouldn't be here today. That's how ill she was. And um, she had been to King's College Hospital to, to get assessed, basically, to see if she was a suitable candidate for organ donation. And two weeks after that, she got a phone call. It would have told her then that it could be up to 18 months before she would get a new liver. And 18 months, Mags wouldn't be here today. She had to wait that long. But two weeks later, however, she got a call to say to make her way to the airport. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, she was going her ambulance to King's College Hospital again. They had found a suitable donor. Thankfully, uh, it, her donor, his, his uh, liver was suitable for my sister. And thank God we have her with us today. And it's a wonderful, wonderful gift for anybody to do. What's it like that morning, Daddy? What's it like that morning when you get that call and you're told to go to Aldergrove and there's an air ambulance waiting for you? What happens at that time within a family? Right. Well, within the family, I can tell you exactly what, how she got her message. She was coming home from her caravan with her husband and her son texted her and said, come to ours, we're having a barbecue. And she said, I can't, I'm going to London for a liver. Right. And... We thought that was a wee bit humorous, but it was also wonderful. But how had she heard, if she's coming home from the caravan, how had she heard that she was to go to London? She got a phone call. It just simply phoned her and said, go go to the airport? And so she she immediately just from coming from Newcastle says right let's go to the airport I'm I'm going to go to London right now this this moment you don't have to do any other preparation. She did. She got home and got her stuff together. She had to be there for a particular time. I can't remember what time it was, um, but she had to be there for a particular time to get their ambulance to London, and uh, it was. She was nervous. She was delighted. Sad, a whole load of emotions, Frank, as mm. you can imagine. See, that's what I—that's what I do imagine. That your your heart and brain that all start to work overtime about what was about to happen to you as a human being. Exactly, and she had her transplant the next day. Uh, on the 7th of May and it was the best birthday present she ever had. It was her birthday on the 10th of May and it was um, for us, her family and her own family, her children, etc. and her grandchildren. It was such a wonderful, wonderful thing to think that somebody could be kind enough and fantastic enough to give your organs for someone else to live when you can't, because you can't take them to heaven with you, Frank. You can't take your organs to heaven. Heaven doesn't need them. And the other thing that uh, I'd said whenever I rang in was 
just please, please, please sign the owner or the, the do- owner donor uh, transplant. So please, as many people as can sign for donation because it's such a, a short list. It's unbelievable. Yeah, uh, t- totally. And I, listening to people this morning, I think the audience will be convinced that they should take steps to opt in. And in the very near future, it will be, we would imagine, that it's going to be opt out. And hopefully very few will opt out. But it's a difficult time. We have to understand it is a difficult time for a family when they've lost a loved one to make that mammoth decision to pass on organs to someone else. But we've heard so many stories, including yours this morning, Deirdre, of people who are so happy now, who have such vibrance in their lives now because of the generosity of a family or a person who had thought ahead before they died. Uh, if you're just uh, joining us, this is the U105 phone-in. Uh, we're here right through until 12 noon.